Welcome back to the Pilot's Lounge Hold Short Episode 5, diving into some fitness stuff again. From wherever you're listening, sit back, grab your cup of coffee, and thank you again for joining us on the Pilot's Lounge. If you haven't already, be sure to head over to YouTube, search Brotalian, and check out the videos. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to see when we go uh, live with new videos on there. But we're going to be sharing all of the Pilot's Lounge episodes, more aviation content, down the road some gear reviews, and just overall aviation lifestyle videos. Uh, YouTube's pretty cool. It gives us another method to really interact and communicate with people. you know, the aviation community. So it's been super cool in that. Make sure you drop in the comments. Let us know what you like or dislike or want to see more of. But we can't wait to see you on YouTube as well as all of the other platforms. So it's been a little bit since we talked about training specifically uh, or training in general, the fitness kind of pillar of Bro Italian. So on today's Hold Short episode, we're going to be diving in a little bit into training with heart rate. What it is, how to set it up if you don't necessarily have a heart rate monitor, but obviously the most effective way is going to be to invest in a heart rate monitoring device. Now, there are several on the market, and so many people have smartwatches that have integrated heart rate monitors, and I'm not going to dive into which companies are better than others because this isn't necessarily a product review, though we plan on potentially having Uh, some of those down the road on the YouTube channel, but that's not what this is. This is going to be a very introductory level, like, hey, how do you train with heart rate to effectively make yourself better cardiovascularly? I don't know if that's a word, but we're going to use it. How do we increase our cardiovascular capability? How do we build endurance? How do we build anaerobic capability? All that kind of stuff we're going to dive into on this whole short episode. Now, before we dive too deep down a rabbit hole of how you calculate your zones, how you set up, you know, your max heart rate, etc. And we'll, we'll give you some basic formulas to do that here soon. It's important that you understand the difference in heart rate based training and, you know, just standard training, let's say at a pace. The most important thing to understand with heart rate based training is that you're not necessarily shooting for a pace. Now in the back of your head, your overall goal would be to, you know, perhaps decrease your pace per mile or decrease your overall heart rate on a specific type of ride at a specific speed on grade, all that, all these factors will eventually play in. But the most rudimentary level of heart rate based training is that you are utilizing heart rate zones to maintain your left and right limits of either an interval or an overall training session, things of that nature. For instance, let's say I want to go do an easy jog on a recovery day, utilizing a heart rate zone could perhaps keep me into a recovery area that is, you know, let's say zone one, an easy run. That way, it's it's more so in tune to your body as opposed to saying, okay, well, I'm going to go run a 730 pace for this recovery run. Rather than just shooting for that pace, you're actually watching how your body is reacting to whatever, you know, environment or circumstances that it is under at the current time. There are things that play into your heart rate that is very important to understand, in my opinion, things such as caffeine intake, sleep, stress, all of these things can both positively and negatively impact your heart rate. And it's important that you understand over time how those things play in so that you can utilize those effects as a tool. 
the correlation aspect is built over time, which is really what we're shooting for is to build the correlation between what our heart rate zones mean and what the desired outcome is. For instance, if my recovery runs, and we'll stay with a run example because it's probably the most common and easily, easily used. Let's say my normal zone one equates to an eight minute mile. So that's, let's say that's our recovery run pace. Through heart rate based training and intervals, we want to get that zone one down to a 745. That way, maybe our zone two and our zone three also correlate to a decrease. Let's say our zone two becomes 730, our zone three becomes a 715, something of that nature. That is the overall goal is to utilize this to stay in tune with our body to create a positive effect on our training. Now, the cool thing is heart rate monitors are so accessible, not even just on our wrists or the bands that go across our chest. Most treadmills and exercise equipment nowadays have built-in heart rate monitors. Now, it used to be that these weren't that accurate, but on most modern up-to-date treadmills, they're pretty darn close. I actually use a Garmin Phoenix 6 Sapphire uh, most days. I wear it all the time now. It, I've recently got it. It's been fantastic, and it's pretty darn accurate. Now, I recently was on the treadmill and I was like, hmm, I'm curious how close this is to what my Garmin is saying. And they were within about four or five of each other. Now, in most zones, this isn't going to make a massive difference. It will be close enough to still achieve your training goals. And really, if you're on the border of one or the other, it should be you should be able to affect your effort enough to pull into a center point of that zone and still result in effective training. So for the people who don't necessarily have the means to either go do max heart rate testing, or maybe they don't have a Garmin or a Polar or some kind of wrist-based system, there are a couple different formulas that you can utilize to at least ballpark equate your max heart rate to set up your zones if you want to either you know, manually count your heart rate or use treadmill-based um, heart rate monitors, things of that nature. But there are some things to keep in mind when you are using the very generic formulas. Gender, fitness level, genetics, dehydration, altitude, heat, time, like all these things play into your heart rate that day. That's where something that tracks your heart rate regularly and all the time, such as a Garmin or even an Apple Watch, can very much help you accurately formulate these zones. Now, the formulas that exist are all relatively close in the output of the number they give you. For instance, probably the most straightforward and uh, easy to work with estimation of your max heart rate is going to be 220 minus your age. For instance, a 29-year-old, this is going to equate to 191. The next is the Gallish equation, which is simply 0.7 times your age, and you subtract that from 207. This results in 187. And the last one is known as the Tanaka method, which is the same 0.7 uh, multiplied by your age and subtracted from 208, which results in 188. So the difference between these methods is only four beats per minute from the high side being, you know, the standard 220 minus 180 and the lowest being the Gellish method. Now, previously I mentioned doing a max heart rate test and obviously the most effective one is going to be a treadmill-based stress test in a lab. But if you don't have that and you do have a wrist-based heart rate monitor, you can do this on your own. At a track or in a safe area on the road or trail or something of that nature, do a warm-up for a mile or two, followed by a mile at a you know a comfortably hard pace, then gradually increase your speed over the last quarter mile before running the last 
you know, the very last quarter mile all out. The highest number on your monitor will be close to your maximum heart rate. And this will at least give you a better method than trying to just, you know, subtract based off of age, things of that nature. The biggest thing to understand with this is that the outside environmental factors do absolutely play in. So take into consideration the things such as heat, caffeine intake, your sleep, time of day, all of these things, and then maybe do it a couple times over, you know, a couple month period to see really what the average is. And that's probably going to be pretty darn close. So now we're going to basically go into an overview of what these zones are. I know I've mentioned uh, zone one a couple times and in zone based training. So once you have established your max heart rate, um, and like I said, most smartwatches and things that have heart rate on the wrist do this for you. But to establish your zones, if you're doing everything by hand, or maybe to double check whatever system you're using, you can use this general rule. Zone one is typically 60 to 70% of your max heart rate. So once again, you can take your max heart rate and multiply it by 0.6 and a 0.7. And that is going to be your general range. Now understand this is a very comfortable effort, uh, usually, usually used for a warm up and a cool down. Zone two is going to be from basically that one heart rate beat above your zone one. So 70 to 80%. It's going to be used for the most of your training. It's a relaxed effort that allows you to hold a conversation, but really gets you into that aerobic zone. That's going to build your endurance and, and do a lot for you. Moving into zone three, it's going to be 81 to 93%. I know the numbers are a little bit weird. However, it should pretty much work with what is known as your threshold zone. It's a comfortably hard effort during which you can usually only speak in short, broken sentences. Or if you're on a bike, usually you start to feel that lactic acid building up in your muscles. And it's pretty much what helps you increase your lactate threshold, which we're not going to dive into today, but it is good to understand. The last is zone four. So 94 to 100% of your of your max heart rate. Uh, usually it's going to be like your 5K pace or maybe your two-mile pace if you're in the military, but it's going to be a very hard effort that's sustainable, but pretty much only lets you speak a few words at a time because you are, you know, you're exerting a lot of energy. What's also important to understand is that different coaches and different training methods and programs and things of that nature do at times use different different uh, zone definitions. And so you should always reach out and ask, especially if you are a new client or new to a program that is utilizing heart rate zones to make sure you understand what those zones equate to in percentages of your max heart rate so that you can hit those numbers as prescribed by whatever program or coach you are using. In aviation, so many of us are data nerds. We love hitting the numbers. We love making sure we're nailing our altitude, nailing our airspeed, nailing our times, nailing our targets. All of this to say, I think heart rate based training proves to be something somewhat natural to us because if we just add the tracking factor to something that we're already doing and maintaining our health, it just gives us one more method to track progress and to really understand our bodies. If we go on a recovery run or what would supposed to be a recovery run and perhaps a 80 degree day in spring, perhaps it's one of the, you know, the first warm days of the season and our heart rate skyrocketing. It helps us understand how our body is reacting to whatever environment that we are placing it in at that time with the other associated factors. We then use our heart rate as a tool to monitor our body's response and shape our training to most effectively achieve whatever outcome we are desiring to achieve from that exercise. In any exercise, there are 
kind of three variables that play into overall success, frequency, duration, and intensity. Now, obviously, frequency is the easiest one to understand. It's how often we are exercising during a period of time, for example, a week or a month or six months or a year, whatever it may be. Duration, again, simple concept. Let's say we'd spend an hour a day or two hours a day or whatever it may be. Now, the last one is intensity, and intensity can be hard to measure, but heart rate makes it a little bit easier. Now, especially in the military, a lot of people will argue, oh, well, I only run, you know, every so often, or I don't do that much cardio. It doesn't just pertain to cardio. You can accurately utilize your heart rate during your lifts to determine your perceived rate of exertion. Now, obviously, it's going to be a little bit different, but utilizing heart rate as a tool to track your recovery during lifting sessions is still going to be beneficial. Now, there are a lot of different types of heart rate training, and I'm not going to go into all of them, but probably the most common one that people will see and understand is going to be HIT, high intensity interval training. The whole idea of HIT is actually based around increasing your heart rate at intervals mixed with recovery periods to overall build your fitness. Most of these HIT training sessions are going to be going mostly between your zone three and your zone four. So your zone three, I mentioned previously, is going to be what we call your threshold zone. Now, your threshold zone or anabolic threshold zone is essentially the metabolic crossroad that indicates a shift in the dominant energy system you are drawing from as you exercise. Now, I'm not going to dive too much more into that, but uh, moving on to your zone four, your zone four is mostly known as your VO2 max or your, you know, your lactate threshold assessment line. Uh, but again, lactate threshold requires special equipment and mostly a lab setting. So we're not going to go deep dive into that. Commonly for endurance athletes, you're going to see them utilize these zones to develop their overall training plan. And it doesn't just pertain to endurance athletes. It can pertain to anyone, whether you're, you know, doing endurance work or things of that nature a couple times a week or every day. A lot of times you're going to see uh, a couple major areas that people use. The first is base, uh, you know, your base training. So it's your aerobic base development. It's and it's a practice as old as time and most of the time takes place in the winter for a lot of summer based athletes, but it usually takes place right after your off season. You go into strong base building and spending a lot of time uh, building a good aerobic base and usually are longer workouts. They might be longer runs uh, in terms of duration at a lower heart rate, maybe a zone one or a low side zone two. The next is going to be speed work. Now, speed work is typically going to be uh, utilizing a couple different zones to build your overall intensity and speed, similar to HIIT training, but they're going to basically be 90% of your max heart rate, and you're going to hold that for no more than about 15 seconds and then go into recovery, and you're going to recover all the way back down to typically that zone one. Once you have hit that zone one recovery, uh, you know, recovery area of your heart rate, you're going to initiate your next interval, going back up to that 90% of your max heart rate, hitting it for that set amount of time, per se 15 seconds, you know, 15 to 20 max really, and then again, recovering down to zone one and repeating, you know, for whatever that workout might be for that particular speed work. Now, the last major training type is going to be tempo workouts or also known as lactate tolerance training. Now, a tempo workout is usually conducted at a pace just above your threshold zone. And 
what it means when we say, you know, lactate tolerance training is lactate is produced in the bloodstream and basically surges into pooling in the muscles. And you can feel that a lot of people feel that when they're, when they're riding a bike or when they're running, they start to feel their muscles getting heavy. And that's the building of lactic acid inside of those muscles. So the whole idea of tempo runs is to purposefully expose the muscles to this and teach them to effectively rid the muscular regions of the toxins and uh, relocate the lactate to less active parts of the body, thus creating a tolerance. So a lot of these workouts will usually last, you know, an hour or two and, you know, maybe two hours max, but it's going to be those little bit longer efforts. You might sit at that lactate tolerance threshold for, let's say, five minutes or 10 minutes and then go back down into that zone one and then go back up into it for that longer period of time. Your whole goal is to build the amount of time you can be at that zone to overall increase speed, increase ability, increase, you know, all of that by utilizing that zone. Now, base building, speed work, and tempo workouts are really only possible if you include active recovery, which usually follows a day of intense work. If you do 30 to 45 minutes of zone one work, whether that's on the treadmill or on a bike or walking at an increased pace, whatever it may be, followed by stretching, is really going to help your body repair itself and flush that lactic acid out, really get your body back into an optimal state to go back into the same type of workouts. Now, this is especially important for people who mix lifting with uh, endurance work or speed work or anything of that kind of nature on the cardio side. You obviously want to still include your active recovery, but a lot of people will say, okay, well, if I you know, do runs Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and I still lift on all these days, how do I effectively do both? The key to that is in itself active recovery. You have to take the time to get that lactic acid out of your muscles, stretch and repair your body and don't double tap the same things over and over and over again. That's going to result in potential for injury. So obviously on the bro Italian side, a lot of us are, you know, big lifters and we have some, you know, CrossFit people uh, that exercise and maybe some bodybuilders here and there, but we do have some endurance athletes. Most of the exercises that the man himself Lance, no handles, Randall's puts out are going to be a mixture of just about everything, but in essence, really do focus on taking your body through the paces and working these heart rate zones, often inadvertently. This episode is somewhat a precursor to some episodes that Lance is actually going to get on and share with us in terms of optimizing your training and nutrition to better yourself and the outcome of whatever training that you are uh, placing yourself through. We know it's been a lot of info. We appreciate you coming and hanging out. Definitely hit us up with uh, questions on, you know, the comment section of YouTube or uh, shoot us a DM on Instagram, whatever it may be. Dive in, ask. There's a wealth of knowledge. If one of us doesn't know, then we know somebody who does know. Our overall goal is to help everyone progress in, you know, fitness and flying. And, and we want to be as informational as we can. For instance, the heart rate zones that we talked about today, depending on where you look, the numbers will vary. And that's why I definitely said if you are utilizing a specific coach or training program, reach out and find what zones they are utilizing for some numbers, even to the extent that some uh, some heart rate zone charts will actually have five zones with your zone one being lower. So again, it's very important that if you are going to be utilizing 
a training program, you fully understand what they are referencing and correlate those to your max heart rate. That way you can effectively achieve those results. It's been great hanging out with everybody. Again, we thank you for joining the Pilots Lounge. Make sure you follow, like, subscribe, do whatever you got to do to make sure you're getting all of our up-to-date content. And we can't wait to see you next time on the Pilots Lounge.